Welcome to Life School. This is Reverend Kojo, and I'm your host. We've got an awesome show today. Today's topic is Be Well. So um, without further ado, this is Life School. Okay, so the 10th president of Morehouse College, a, a historically black uh, it's HBCU, historically black college and university, uh, had these five wells that he said a Morehouse man should be. And according to Morehouse, you know, a Morehouse man is is the top-notch black man. Well, I, I read these five wells, uh, uh, these five wells, and, and these are actually things that I hold near and dear to me. Uh, it just so happens that do- Dr. Robert Franklin uh, existed well before I did. But these are some things that I hold near and dear, but I could not say them, even though I kind of had them myself uh, before I ever read that he had these but I can't. I, I couldn't take credit for them. So his five wells are: be well read, be well spoken, be well traveled, be well dressed, and be well balanced. And so all of these are some things that I've kind of held near and dear to me for quite a long time. Um, and I think that the, if you'll do these things, they kind of bleed into one another, um, and they help you live a well life. And and in a in a time where we're all trying to focus on being well and being the best version of ourselves. It's important that we hone in on to some, some ideas, some things to hold on to, to keep us focused and keep us on the right track, which, you know, I'm going to just go ahead and be transparent with you all. I uh, have been a little down the last few weeks, more like the, like the last couple of months. Uh, you know, I, I think I say at the beginning of every trip, every show, I'm about to get out of the country. I'm supposed to be out of the country, and I've been interning at night with this company uh, that I was supposed to have been in, in Australia August 26th. Uh, the day that I'm recording this is more like um, October the 10th. Yeah, my dad's birthday's tomorrow. October the 10th, and I'm not supposed to be here, and I'm, I'm kind of perturbed about it. Um, in some ways embarrassed because all of these people have heard that I'm leaving the country and I'm still here. So when you run into me at places I hate like Walmart and you say, why are you still here? It's, it's kind of like a, a shot in the gut. Um, and so I've just kind of been down. On top of that, one of the few reasons that I wanted to stay is not speaking to me right now. And, uh, you know, I've gone back and forth with myself on why that could be, um, what I've done wrong. And, and then to top it all off, Somebody that I was madly in love with uh, really broke my heart a few years ago, got married on Saturday. And so I've just been down and and it's been a it's been a rocky roller coaster ride. And I thank God that I went home this weekend. And so when I'm, I'm going through Facebook and I'm seeing these wedding pictures and I knew the wedding was coming, I'm seeing these wedding pictures and I'm thinking about who's not speaking to me. And I'm thinking about I'm not in Australia um, and I'm thinking about all these things. And the reality for me is this much, is that my, my mom had to break it down to me because I looked at her um, and I was sweating and didn't realize I had this, my sweating had turned into tears because y'all know I hate to cry. And I, I looked at my mom and I looked and I said, what's wrong with me? And I went on this, this rant and I said, mom, I can go and I can produce great work. I can write books and people say that they've cha- their lives have been changed. I can go and I can go and experience these things and people have these stories to tell about my power, my preaching and my teaching and my keynote speeches have rearranged the way that they exist and the way that they live. I have gone and I have 
been able to serve on levels and bring change to a multitude of people's lives. And in those seasons, I seem to do really well. And then when I get a season where I'm happy and I'm going places and I'm doing things and, and then there's someone special in my life, um, rarely does it last long. But typically in those seasons, my preaching, my teaching, my speaking is not on point. Um, and so I, and so it seems like I go in the cycle of either I'm really happy socially or I'm really happy spiritually, but rarely am I all of the above. And, and so it, um, it bothered me. Oh, it really bothered me. And I couldn't understand why that was the case. And so I, you know, I sat there crying and my mom is now sat up in the bed and she's like, Oh man, the kid that doesn't cry is crying. And usually if I come in and neither really, honestly, neither one of us cry um, (laughs) that much. Um, But so she sits up in the bed and she's like, "Okay, this is what I believe. I believe that God is getting ready to use you in such a manner that you focusing on someone else, no matter how wonderful they are or how happy they make you, will take your focus from the thing that God is getting ready to do. And so he's going to have to delay you getting to getting getting your happiness or the desire of your heart until after God has set in motion what he's wanting to do in your life. Now, honestly, there are a lot of projects open on my desk, but there's always a lot of projects open on my desk. And so that wasn't necessarily what I wanted to hear. But then she she made it plain. She said, if God was getting ready to orchestrate miracles through your hands, and those miracles were contingent upon you being able to focus, don't you think he would remove anything that could impede on your focus? Even if these things were, were good and they produce good fruit in your life, if, they don't, if they're not producing the fruit he needs in that season, he's going to have to put them on hold. He's going to have to come back and replant the seed and allow it to come back later because it's impeding the divine plan of God. So I'm sitting there like, oh, my God, she has just <laughs> she has just gave me my entire life and I can't believe it. And so, she, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm like, well, if that's the case, that's the case. I might have to deal with it. Mama has spoken. But in all honesty, I, I have been down um, and I've, I've been down. And, and, you know, she went on to say she said she said, I believe that I believe that the Australia thing has already worked out in your favor. You've already been able to make waves and you've got partners coming by your Skype bot. Yeah, I've been, I've been, um, interning via Skype bot. You've been, you had intern, you had, um, partners coming by your Skype bot and they've already sought you out. They already know your name. And sometimes God has just got to put people in contact with you and he'll do it through some things that we can't understand. And so, you know, it doesn't make sense to me today because I was looking forward to going to Australia. It was number one on my list. And this idea that I'm not in Australia has been a problem to me. So I couldn't I couldn't understand. But mom made it plain. It's like she what God was what I was refusing to hear from God. He had spoken through her. And so in this search for being well, we have to understand that sometimes our idea of well is not God's idea of well. That doesn't mean that neither is good, and that doesn't mean that your idea of well is bad. It just means that your idea of well today is not God's idea of well today. God's idea of well today is that you will accomplish the things that he has ordained for you. And see, sometimes that's like not what we want to hear. It's not like what we want to hear. It's, it's, what, it's not what we want to hear. It's, I want to hear, I've been praying for companionship for nine years. 
I want this companionship to become a fixture in my life. I don't want to go through seasons of a year of greatness and then seasons of no. No, I want I want I want companionship. I want 70 years. <laughs> but at the same time, I want God to move. You know, I'm going to be honest with you. I want God to do amazing things in my life. And I'm I'm sorry. I hope that doesn't sound crass or that doesn't sound egotistical. I want God to move through my hands and my feet and my mouth and my mind like never before. I want to live with divine purpose. I want to see my gifts exercised like nobody's business. I want to see... Um, I want to see God move through me internationally and nationally and on the state level and the city level. I want to see lives changed. Last weekend, one kid got saved in my youth group. And I have been on cloud nine for two weeks. One kid got saved. You know, usually people are writing, oh, man, 5,000 people came to Christ. One person came to Christ, and I have been on cloud nine. That's all I want. Yeah, and I want somebody who was happy to see me when I walked through the door. How raw? Is it really raw? Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. But the, the point is this, is that we can have our idea of what being well is. But just because we have our idea of what being well is doesn't mean that it's synonymous with the, God's idea of what being well is. <laughs> So, you know, the, 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 here, here are the five. Being well-read is number one. Be well-read. Be well-read. Read, 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 read. And, and read secular and read religious. You know, I find myself going through seasons where all I'm reading is secular stuff. Um, and I find myself going through seasons where all I'm doing is reading is spiritual stuff. The spiritual stuff will prime you for the secular stuff. You need to read self-help books on what the word says. You need to read books on, on uh, things that are Christ-like and things that have been interpreted from the Bible. You need to read the Bible daily. You need to read these things. But you also need to read some things that are about this world because we do live in this world. You know, it's one thing to uh, be only reading, well, literature and fiction. That's good, but what you feed your spirit needs to be balanced with the things that the spirit is it needs to have some food. You need to be feeding because when you're reading, not only are you feeding your brain, you're feeding your soul. And so <laughs> if you're feeding your soul secular, 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 after a while, your soul is going to become secular. If you feed your soul spiritual, 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 that's wonderful, but your brain is not going to be able to understand what these people are talking about in this world. We've got to be well read. Well read, but that goes to the last be well, be well balanced. Because if you read just one and not the other, you deprive one portion of your body. I think it is imperative that if you read nothing else, read the Bible. I do. I do. But I believe that that should not be where you stop. Even in biblical study, you should read the Bible and it should be the source of what you do. But there are some things that you need commentary on. And not to say that you make their commentary the gospel, but you can begin to understand what other people are saying. The purpose of church, y'all, is that we would go to church and after we have studied the word 
and then talk to like-minded saints and see what they're saying. So if we get it wrong or if they get it wrong, we can compare what we have read about God, what we believe about God, and we can come together and make sure that we are on one accord so that we don't have a thousand denominations. Ooh, ooh, stepping on toes. A thousand denominations that are teaching something different. That's the purpose of going to church. But see, what has happened is that we, we go to church, and when somebody doesn't agree with us, we decide we're going to go start our own church based on what we believe. Instead of hearing out the argument, instead of exploring why they re- believe what they believe and why I believe what I believe and who, who's right, who's wrong, is somebody right, and is somebody wrong, or are we both off base? Are we both on base and we just happen to read one word differently? But when we don't do that, we have a problem. we got to be well-balanced, well-balanced. we got to be well-read. We gotta be well read. And I believe though that being well read will lead you to being well spoken. See, it's one <laughs> and, and, and it, it bothers me to no end when there are people who cannot articulate what their mind is saying. And often I find that because their vocabulary is so limited. I'll say it, I'll say it on the podcast and I'll say it to your face. If the only words that you can use to describe something are foul and vulgar words, your vocabulary is much too small. There are plenty, there's a duplicity and a multiplicity of words that can help you describe the emotions that you are feeling that do not have to be derogatory. And then there are a multitude of emotions and synonyms for many of the things that we see, feel, and taste that do not have to include the word good or bad. You can say something was superb, something was wondrous. You can say that something was splendiferous. You can say that something made you feel like a nafella bottle, which means that you let you were a, a cloud dweller. You were on cloud nine. You don't have to say cloud nine. You say I was a nafella bottle. You can, there are so many words, but uh, we learn these words through reading and being around people who are smarter than us. And see, the thing about being around people who are smarter than us, it makes us nervous often because we are afraid somebody's going to expose our weaknesses. But I'll tell you this, when you're around people who are smarter than you, you're going to walk away smarter. They may not walk away any better because they're smarter than you, but you're going to walk away smarter. And then you can go and be around people and help them become smarter, help them become wiser, help them grow in other areas. But I'm willing to bet this, if they're smarter than you in one area, you're probably smarter than them in another. And so you can make this cultural exchange where you can teach them something and they can teach you something and it also causes you to be, guess what, well-balanced. But... If you never expose yourself to people who are different than you, you're going to miss the boat every time. And so being well-spoken is important, and and, and there are a few different ways to go about it. Like I said, be well-read. You're going to learn new words about when when you're well-read. But there's one thing about being well-read that will expose that you're well-read. You sometimes learn to mispronounce words because you imagine what you think how they're pronounced because you haven't heard them. 
Um, and to me, that's nothing to be embarrassed about because if you can't pronounce the word correctly, but you've pronounced it the way that your brain thought it to be pronounced, when corrected, I wouldn't be embarrassed because you learned it while reading, which means that you're well read. That means you're seeking the knowledge. And, and I wouldn't let anybody make you feel bad about that because you sought the knowledge and you sought the new word and now you've tried to commit it to your vocabulary. Being well-spoken will put you in places that you didn't know you belonged. I was offered a number of positions based on the way that people heard me speak before they even understood the content of who I was. And that's not to say that I don't have content, because I believe I do. Uh, but before they even sat down and had the conversation based on the way that I formulated my words, based on the way that I spoke, people already associated where I belonged based on the way that I spoke. Be well-spoken. If you have to go and sit in places that make you uncomfortable to be around people who use words bigger than what your, your cerebral cortex can process, go and be around those people because those people will teach you and they will expose you to things that you were not ready for. But because you're not ready for them, they will cause your brain and your character to expand. As your brain and your character expands, you will, not, you will become better and smarter and more relatable to just the people, not just the people you are around daily, but to a larger group of people. Go and get exposed. Exposure is one of the most important things to me. Get exposed. The next one is a, one that's very, very, very near and dear to my heart is be well-traveled. I love to travel. Um, and I think, <laughs> I think that's one of the biggest ways you can tell whether I like you or not. I think, you know, people assume a lot of things about me. Uh, if, if I invite you to go on a trip with me and it's not with a group, I probably like you. Um, <laughs> I, I, um, if, if I, if I am, I love to travel. Traveling is next to eating. Uh, it is, it is one of my favorite things to do. And I like to go a lot of places. You know, if, 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 if there's something I want to go and they say it's too far, that is never an excuse for me. I'm going to go. I'm going to I'm going to it's going to be on my list. And it's important that I go because when you're well traveled, you're exposed. There's that word again, exposed to more things. And when you're well traveled, you get to see how the other half lives. When you're well traveled, you get your your idea and your exposure to the world gets larger, which means the world to you becomes smaller. It means that you can relate to more people when you're well-traveled. It causes you to see life through a brand new lens and you can relate to more than one group of people. When you can do that, I'm convinced it causes you to sympathize and empathize with people on a different level. Unless, of course, you only travel to places like where you're from. And then it really doesn't help you. But I believe being well-traveled is one of the best things that you can do for yourself. You can, I, I am, I'm a firm believer. It is one of the best things that you can do for yourself. Be well-traveled. You know, I'm, I, like I'm telling, I've, I've said it a number of times. I'm not supposed to be here. I'm supposed to be in Australia. And my job is, they travel weekly. And so I, I get to see via Skype all these beautiful places. I want to be there. Uh, traveling is one of the things that I'm grateful my parents instilled in us young. Because traveling caused us to see this world through a, a wonderful lens and to appreciate it in a, in a special way. And, and it, it doesn't, it didn't even create a, a disdain for home. We love home. You'll always want to come home. But it, it creates 
micro homes across the country. Last this this past March, I got to travel to um, Oklahoma for the first time, <laughs> uh, and I went to go for for a basketball game, um, and I went with somebody I really wanted to go with, uh, and we we had a great time, but when I got there, it was. Oklahoma, outside of Oklahoma City, was everything I thought it was. It was nothing. Uh, it was the flattest land I've ever seen. I looked to the left, and all you just saw was flat land. And, and coming from Alabama, um, all you're used to hills and curves, and the roads are just straight. And you know how you look on TV, and the road just gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller? Well, that doesn't really happen in Alabama because the roads are so curvy and we're so hill, hilly. You really don't see that much ahead of you that often. Well, in, <laughs> in Oklahoma, you do. The road gets so small that it seems like it, it, it has closed to a needle. Well, we, we, we went to Oklahoma, and the hotel we stayed in was downtown, and they have an awesome downtown life. I'm, I'm a big fan of it. Um, and you could walk to Bricktown where they had all these restaurants. You could, we we, lived, we right, lived right across from the, state, the uh, arena. And, and I kind of felt at home. I, I'm going to be honest with you. I, uh, I got back and I said, well, maybe I need to explore living in Oklahoma. Maybe I need to look at look into to moving, moving a business there or something. Oklahoma really felt like a place that I wanted to live. And then, you know, later I, I discovered it wasn't quite the city uh, that I was in love with. Uh, but it was it was one of those places that I felt free and I felt home. Um, I went to St. Martin years ago. My parents now have a condo there. But I went to St. Martin, and it was the softest sand I have ever felt on my feet. I'm getting, we're going into the water, and it's blue. I mean, it's so, you could look straight down into it. It was clean. It was crystal clear. Even the, even the, <laughs> the fish matched the sand. Like, it was beautiful. And then one of the things I loved about it, as you walked into the sand, you know, the, the seashells normally cut your feet. They never cut my feet. I, it's like the soft, it was like I was walking on clouds. And so I wanted to return because it was so beautiful. And so traveling creates these moments of nostalgia, uh, they, but they create micro homes to me, places where memory is embedded that you want to return. You know, I wrote a blog post um, a few weeks ago talking about revisiting some things. We, we, we revisit for different reasons, but one of the reasons we revisit is because they remind us of a better time or a different time. And so we revisit so that we can see what has happened in the past, whether we're talking about something God has done or we're talking about some things we have done. Uh, revisiting is a beautiful thing, but in order to revisit, you've got to visit the in the first place. Travel. Do not wait. One of my goals is to take a month a year and go one place. Now, I do, and I still intend to travel throughout the year, but I want to take one month a year, and, and that's when I really, really, really am making money. Uh, but I want to take a month a year and just go and submerse myself in somebody else's culture. Just go. You know, whether that's December because, you know, business is usually slower, or in the heat of the summer, I doubt that happens. But I want to go and spend a month a year in somebody else's land doing something else and just enjoying this creation. And that's the thing. God created the earth. Y'all, and I know I'm taking a discourse. God created the earth in all of his fullness and all of his wonder and all of his goodness. And when he created the earth, he created the earth so that we would experience 
experienced it all. And he's afforded us these amenities to be able to travel quicker and faster. And so many of us only experience our neck of the woods. And so we equate that with the world. And we're not exposed to these other things that he's made. There are parts of this world that look nothing like where you are from. They don't behave that way. The earth doesn't even seem to curl the same way. You travel, you know, Alabama is very hilly. Um, I, well, I'm in Auburn now, and it's very plain-like, but it's still more hilly than, than Oklahoma and, and the, you know, the Great Plains, and it's just flat up there. You know, you go to New York. I was in New York a few, a few weeks ago, and, you know, I can't really tell what God really did there because it's just a cement. Um, <laughs> but it's different. The buildings are so close together, and they're just so everywhere. And I, and I really didn't like New York, but it was so different. Um, but, you know, it was different but the same. And so people played it up as this one thing, and really it felt like a big Birmingham to me. Um, and I'm sure people would be like, there's no way, it's not a big, it felt like a big Birmingham to me. Uh, <laughs> um, and I wasn't incredibly impressed, but it was something that I needed to see. You go to Chicago and you got cities, uh, you got buildings that are actually made and they're swaying because it's so windy, um, but they're still, they're still built so that they'll stand the test of time. You go to Texas and everything's so far out and it's so huge. You go to California and it's hot but it's cold at the same time. You go to Las Vegas and it's 100 degrees, but when you get in the pool, you're cold and shivering. Uh, <laughs> you go to Mexico and it's hot um, and, and you don't know that they call themselves the United States as well. So if you say the U.S., they think you're talking about Mexico and not the United States of America. Uh, they're talking about the United States of Mexico. And so you go to these places and you get exposed to these things. And it makes you more of a more well-balanced, there's that word again, person. One thing my mom uh, made sure uh, of us as children is that we were well-rounded she didn't want us to just be good at the sports we played. She wanted us to be well-rounded in school. She didn't want us to just do well in school, but she wanted us to be involved in clubs. She didn't want us to just be able to do this, play the sports, play, be well in, in, in the clubs, uh, to be smart, but she wanted us to be spiritually healthy and respectful. And she wanted us to be able to relate and speak to older people as well as younger people, to be able to respect our elders, but to be able to speak, see the value in our peers. And so being balanced is important. Now, the other one is a personal favorite of mine because if you know me personally, you know I'm into bespoke suits. And you can have your opinion on it all you want, but I am into the suit game. I love a bespoke suit. I love when a suit is tailored to fit my body. I believe it is a gift from God. <laughs> I love having, and, 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 and I'm going I'm to be honest with you, I'm, I'm like 4'11". Got, got an interesting shape for a body. My mom says that she's like you were supposed to be like big and tall, uh, based on the shape of your body, but it's compacted into this little bitty body, um, <laughs> and so it's it's kind of odd. So I like getting a bespoke suit because I think it emphasizes what I'm supposed to be, um, and so I'm really into the bespoke suit. So the 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 other be well is be well dressed. And being well-dressed is not always going to fit into what I think is being well-dressed. You know, I think well-dressed is a good suit with well-fitting shirts, uh, nice accessories, good some, some sharp suits, I mean, some sharp shoes that, that match, uh, a good bag, some, you know, colors that complement well um, your, hair, your hair put together and put together well. You know, you've kept it cut. You've kept yourself well clean, cut, shaven, if that's your thing. 
I think these things are awesome. But to others, being well dressed is is different. You know, I <laughs> the, the the friend that I, I I prefer to travel with um, is she loves to dress, loves to dress. Uh, but the way that we dress are completely different. <laughs> completely different. And, 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 and of course, I think you would probably expect that they'd be completely different. And so I'm, I'm all into Brooks Brothers and I want to go to, to, to the, uh, the, all the other places and let them fit me for my suits. And, and she's, she's over here. Well, I like this dress. And um, she's and she's accessorizing. I'm, I'm gonna be honest with you. I had I'm gonna be, <laughs> and she says that she dresses nice around me because I dress nice. But I dress nice around her because she dresses nice. Um, but she she's gonna she's gonna pull out the nine and she'll make something very simple. I'll be well dressed and and shut a room down really quickly. I went back and looked at some pictures some time ago um, of a former we attended, and you know I you know I'm looking at everybody. Okay, everybody looks nice, and I said. She single-handedly looked the best in the room without having to be over the top. And so some people can do that. Um, and I have recently tried not tried tried my hand at that. Uh, well, I'll let you know how that goes. But being well-dressed is important because how you dress is a representation of how you what you believe about yourself. If you don't take the time to groom yourself well, it says that you don't believe you're worth, worthy of the grooming. If you don't take the time to put yourself together in a manner that is sharp and well put together, it says that you do not believe that you belong in, in certain circles. If you don't take the time to groom and make sure that you look good, um, and whatever your definition of looking good is, it says to the rest of the world that you are not worthy of the time of my time because I'm, you're not worthy of your time. And so being well-dressed is more not about how your, what your style is, being well-dressed is about your presentation to the world. It is your one opportunity to dress yourself so that people, my mom said it as a kid, so because people will perceive you how you present yourself. So if you present yourself as if you're going to run the Fortune 500 company, uh, but you're a street sweeper, people are going to perceive you as the CEO of the Fortune 500 company. If you dress yourself as if you're the janitor, but you are the for <laughs> CEO of the Fortune 500 company, when people first meet you, they're going to perceive you in that manner. And so how you wrap yourself is self-expression of how you want people to perceive you. If you want people to perceive you a certain way, you dress that way. And, 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 and own it. Own it. You know, for me, it is getting getting a tailored suit in there. It does not my heart no not much more joy than to go get fitted and then come back and then the suit come out just how I had hoped. Oh, it does me well. It does me well to get get dressed for dinner, um, and to know that I have put in the time to go out and take go to a concert and know that I have put in the time to be sharp to do well. And, and it, 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 for me, it, it, it does some great things. But there's another thing is that on your worst days, dress your best. I'm not saying don't dress your best on other days, but dress your best on your worst days because there's something about dressing up that makes you feel better. When you treat yourself as if you're worthy of the time, even when you don't feel like you're worthy of the time, by the time you step out and greet the world, you will know, you'll feel, at least feel like you're on top of the world, even though there might too be two pennies and a ball of lint in your pocket. You treat yourself first how you want to be treated. And how you, how you present yourself to the world is part of that. 
And of course, you know, the last one I have been blowing through on all of these because it ties into all of them. Be well balanced. Be well balanced. And how do you do that with being well dressed? Being well dressed, you know, my mom said you can never be overdressed. And in most arenas, that's true. I would say 90% of the time, that's true. But you are overdressed if you wear a suit to the gym. <laughs> you wear a suit to the gym, you, you no, 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 no. <laughs> if you wear a suit, <laughs> uh, if you wear a suit and you you <laughs> and you're going to run a marathon, you're ill dressed. You're not well dressed. Uh, but there are times where being well-dressed can be flexed. Y'all know I'm a preacher, <clears throat> and I love to wear suits. But there is this tango that I'm, I'm trying to understand. It's am I going to be a T-shirt preacher, or am I going to be a suit-wearing preacher? Um, because my generation are some T-shirt-wearing folk. And that seems to be what is the norm in the pulpit in my generation. Now, if you go to my church, which is not filled with a lot of people from my generation, first through third Sunday, we're in suits. So for me, there's a tango that we play. And being well-dressed is dressing for the occasion. And when in doubt, yeah, go take it up a notch. But try to dress for the occasion and be well-balanced. Make sure that you, you dress well in, in, in other, all, all of these things. Be well-balanced, you know. And being well-balanced is, is understanding that you need, you need everything, most things. Um, you know, one thing that's funny about my parents, both of my parents say be well-balanced, but the way that they ex exercise being well-balanced is different. My mom will get little bits of everything all along the way. If she's eating, she's going to have one portion of meat, one portion of starch, one portion of vegetable. My dad is going to pile his plate up with whatever he wants. We're going to turn around. My mom <laughs> is going to spend time with you along the way. Um, and dad works. My dad works. He's a, he is, both of them are workers, but my, my dad works a lot. And so in the summertime, you know, he's all about the family vacation thing, but he's usually on the phone on vacation and we, like, get frustrated. Well, in the wintertime, business is a lot slower. And so he'll commit a lot more time in the wintertime than he does in the summertime. And, like, as kids, you don't really understand that. And to him, that's being balanced. So I'm going to make up for it over here <laughs> in the wintertime. And so his idea of being balanced is different. And, you know, he's probably going to listen to podcasts, but I'm probably going to be more inclined to, to encourage you to be like more like my mom. Take important pieces along the way spend time with the ones you love along the way spend time working your butt off along the way spend time doing these things and if you have to have a season like my dad where you have to grind 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 come back in the next season and spend time 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 with those you love because you don't want to look back and regret not loving on the people that you love the most you don't want to look back and regret not saying the things that you wanted to say the most. And those things will help you along the way. Be well, y'all. Be well read. Be well spoken. Be well exposed. Be well traveled. Be well dressed. Be well balanced. Be well rounded. And, and I'm not saying your life is going to be perfect because it's not. But it'll help you get a better grip on this life that we're all trying to live. Until next time, y'all, I'm Reverend Kojo. Now, I do want you to check out, make sure you're checking out ReverendKojo.com if you're 
Uh, make sure that you, you go and rate uh, this podcast, all five stars on iTunes. Um, go check out some other stuff. Uh, you want to check out Reverend Coach's website. I promise you there's there's a lot of stuff. I'm trying to keep it updated today. Um, and I'm going to make sure this podcast goes live today. Uh, today, today starts the 100 days of shift. What is the 100 days of shift? You can check out that on the website. But the 100 days of shift, I will be vlogging every day. I am working out twice a day. I am I am changing my life and I'm encouraging you to do do the same. Now there's a long laundry list of what I'm requiring of myself during the 100 days of shift. All I'm asking you is to do pick one thing that you're going to change for 100 days and let's document those things to get to the, together. 100 days of shift, we want to see God do some things. Uh, so I'm praying, I'm I'm dedicating more time to biblical study. I'm working on my body. Uh, I'm, I'm committing more time to business ventures and this podcast. 100 days of shift. Do not miss it. I'm promising you God is, God is going to do some mar- marvelous things, but you have to put in the work. Faith without works is dead. So that's why I'm putting together the work. Y'all be blessed and hang in there.